Happy Daylight Savings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Yay! Yay! Uh, today we have a very special uh, edition. Um, we mentioned it last episode, but this is going to be all Generation X all the time. Uh, this could run a little bit long because we're covering a, a number of issues as well. But uh, this is like the, the Welcome Generation X to the podcast episode. Uh, we're going to go over the team formation and the first few issues probably go over a little bit of our personal history with with this book because i think this book meant a lot to to both of us growing up um so just to be clear we're covering um the flanks covenant issues that uh, deal with generation x which is uh uncanny 316 and 317 uh x-men 3 uh, 36 37 uh, then we have Uncanny 318, which is Jubilee moving out of the expansion issue. And then we'll be covering um, issues 1 and 2 of Generation X. So not all of those will be in detail. In fact, I think the Flanks Covenant, etc., we're going to try and blow through as, as quickly as possible. But uh, a lot of issues to get through today, Dan. Yes, it's marvelous. I just realized, because we're called Excalibros, mm -hmm. do we need to like add something to the tile to make it seem like... We also cover Generation X. I was I was wondering <laughs> that like Generation Excalibros, Excalibro X. I know, but you know, for all we know, we're gonna get like thirty more issues into this and be like, hey, um, you know, there's this other like B list X book that we should probably be covering. <laughs> so uh, if we're gonna go with a name we'll change, covering every every unloved book. Ever, I know. I we should like. we should call it. We should change the name to the Unloved X Men or something. Yes. Um, Not that Generation X is unloved. It's just much like Excalibur. It's, we'll talk about that. It's, it's mm. weird. No, I mean, we're covering the B-books, and that's not a quality thing. That's uh, in terms of promotion and just sort of if, if Uncanny is the marquee title, then Generation X and Excalibur are definitely not uh, the same level uh, in terms of promotion or how they're thought about in, in the general cultural zeitgeist. It's just... Just how things are, unfortunately. Um, and while we're talking about that, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Jason's podcast, uh, the podcast that goes snicked. Uh, he recently had me on to go over uh, a really wonderful uh, Wolverine uh, original graphic novel called uh, Wolverine Bloodlust, which is an Alan Davis uh, written and drawn uh, book. It was actually quite quite good, uh, a nice little story. And if you're looking for Alan Davis drawing Wolverine, there's no better uh, you know, piece of uh, artwork to look at. So uh, definitely check out that that episode as well. I do like that book. It's one of the few Wolverines that I can look at without being like, ugh, Wolverine. Um, <laughs> it's um... great. Uh, we, we talked about it, and not to get on a sidetrack, but, you know, Davis worked with, with Claremont for so long and had to deal with all those word bubbles so that when it came time for him to write, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to use word bubbles so much. I'm just going to let the art tell most of the story, which is wonderful. I like the idea. It's like he's slightly lost. That he's got so much room on this page. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was fun. So if you if you do like Wolverine, definitely check that out. Especially if you have uh, Marvel Unlimited, because that is on there and it uh, looks great. But uh, Dan, let's let's get into Generation X. Maybe you want to give a little bit of uh, maybe history, personal history, on why why you so enjoy this book. Um, I. Right, so I think their starting point 
or their like sort of team of X-Men. And obviously on this podcast, we all know that I adore Excalibur and they're my favourite team. But like, if we cut to the heart of the matter, um, Gen X is like the 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 kids I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, like those people who have um, the New Mutants or the second generation, uh, second Genesis X-Men or even like the new X-Men from Academy X that like, they're the kids that they've grown up grown up with and they love them God and it was um, Gen X are, are, are those for me it, I, I was I was I want to say I was 10 because um, I think it came out in late 1994 yep fall of uh, 94 I believe so I'd be like 10 almost 11 and um, I was just saying to George just before the podcast that the the thing about it was, um, it was a really bizarre moment in time when I met the team. Not in real life, that would be even weirder. But um, basically, I was in this random comic book shop, and on the ceiling was like a xenomorph from Aliens just dangling there, like a life-size model, which was quite terrifying when you open up and you're kind of tiny and there's like a giant monster on the ceiling. And then it was just like a, an L-shaped comic book shop. It makes no sense, but it's like an l shape. So you just walk in. And you go down the corridor, and then you turn left, and there's a tilt. And it's forever been burnt into my mind, because it was, like, all glass cases all the way down. So if you wanted a comic, you had to get... It was almost like buying, like, jewellery or something. Like, someone would actually unlock, <laughs> un- unlock the cabinet the cabinet to get, get in, so you could get your single issue or whatever. And I'd only got... I went in there because, at the time... I was well. I still am a massive Tim Drake fan. Tim Drake fan, but I went in there because I wanted a bit of Robin, a bit of, a bit of Spidey, um, a bit of normal X Men. Um, and like, Mum was like to shut me up. Obviously, uh, she was like, "We'll just go in." I can't remember. I think we were in Portsmouth at the time. I think it was Portsmouth. Um, and so we went in, and I just saw this flyer, and it just had the T, the X Generation X team, and Georgie knows the flyer I'm on about, and anyone sort of will know. And I just fell in love with the picture. And inside the flight, I had like the description, like sketches from um, Chris Bacalo, um of each each individual member, and it had like the like the, the sort of bios, like the age something. I still can't believe uh, Jubilee's like 13, 13 and a half, uh, or whatever she's supposed to be in this. In this yeah, she, she is not. Drawn. No. But, um, I, I mean, we'll, that, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go over the art and start to cut in, but when they're in Generation yeah. X, they're drawn one way, but when they're in, like, Uncanny, they're drawn very much like adults. Like, <laughs> much. But, like, it's quite interesting, because, like, it had all of, like, the little um, bios, like, this one's goth, this one's this, this one's this. Like, it was really straightforward, and I could totally process it as a kid, and I, I took that flyer, completely ignored the comics that my mum bought me that day, went out of this strange L-shaped glass comic prison and then went home and um put it on my wall and i stared at it for months and i didn't actually get a hold of any generation x because when i was young i moved a lot um my dad was in the navy so i moved quite a lot i'm just um so i didn't really get to the comic book shops all the time so i didn't really get a hold of gen x until sort of halfway through um the next year and then i think it wasn't until um I was in a bookshop and a UK publisher had published like the first five issues in a, a trade in like two years. Yeah. Two years later that I picked that up because I saw the image and I was like, it's that team that I want to read about. And so I picked it up and um, I read that to bit like 
to ad nauseum and so the pages fell out and then I found a place that had um, long boxes and just picked up every issue and then got up to date and then I'd just be obsessed and annoy people. No matter where we were where we were in what world, I was like, I need to go buy this one thing every month. Um, so I was like, <laughs> no matter, generally, no matter what country we were in, I was like, is there a comic book shop? That's all I give a shit about. Because <laughs> if I can't get my Generation X, I'm going to have a hissy fit on this ship right now. Um, so... Yeah, I got a little diva-ish if I didn't get my Gen X fix. But that's my history with them. And <laughs> I think what drew me um, is that they're not they're not squeaky clean. Um, sort of like the New Mutants where... Like, no, no, no offense to the New Mutants. I actually like the New Mutants. But I do find them all very sort of, um, to put it in modern-day vernacular, uh, very CW. Um, sure, Definitely. And I never, saw, I never really saw myself in any of them. Um, they're great characters, but I never really saw my effect. And like, and with the X Men, there's always one that doesn't look like a human. But Gen X, nearly all of them didn't look like humans. Like all of them were broken and shattered. And I don't know what that says about me that I, I saw myself. No, in you're that right. Group. But yeah. they weren't. Some of them physically, some of were, them mentally. Yeah. Yeah, they, none of them had. You know, and they still strived. And yes, it was '90s, so there was kind of and Jubilee's there, and she was the big A-lister, I suppose. No offense to uh, Banshee and Emma, but at the time, Jubilee would be the big one um, of the book. And I just saw them all, and I was like, yes, their powers were weird. And even if they were like similar to other people, like um, skin, it was just mm-hmm. like so specific that it wasn't just stretchy powers. It was like disgusting almost i found it i found them fascinating and to this day i still think they're the most underutilized group of characters since their book was cancelled like they totally could be x-men they totally could be in every i know m been into um current runs but i think the rest of them could be stars in their own right yeah Um, unfortunately a number of them have been unceremoniously killed off uh, yeah, was... in in bad events, but um, you know at least Bendis did give Jubilee a, a little bit of chance to shine when he was writing the X books. Uh, it was a very it was a Jubilee the vampire Jubilee who was very very different than what we see in Generation X, obviously. But at least she got some some time to shine <laughs> a little bit. You know what I mean? And um, obviously the modern day the modern day Gen X, which I know we we didn't really get on with. At least that um, gave. Um, Jubilee and Chamber and Husk sort of a, a a way to still be around while having a new group of kids. Mm-hmm. But I generally think that, like you look at the new Uncanny roster and I'm like, oh, you could just like take some of those new mutants off and just slide in Chamber maybe or Husk just to make it seem yeah. a little bit more than. I mean, Chamber did feature in Uncanny very very slightly recently, and Husk is in is a marvelous X Men. Um, very, very slightly as well. So at least they're, they're still around, I guess. Uh. <laughs> I remember, I remember one thing I do remember, which I was like, because um, obviously I'm asking for them to be on teams, was Huss was on a team once, and she had a relationship with Angel. Um, and it was weird, because she's mm-hmm. like 16, and he's like, whatever. But, um, right. <laughs> but that no, was I just mean... a weird time. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. This was when this came out. I was 
I mean, comics were sort of the craze. And being a young young guy, I was uh, I was always into going to the comic shop. I you know those events hooked me. Uh, I can read them now and be like, Ugh, these weren't great. But at the time, I was like, yes, all these crossovers, all these characters, all this amazing stuff happening. I was all into it. So. Um, you know, the year before, maybe half a year before uh, Flank's Covenant was um, was the event, or maybe it's the year, half a year afterward, is the event where Wolverine loses his adamantium. Um, what's that called? Fatal Attractions? Yeah, there was no. Fatal Attractions, yeah, yeah. So that was going on, and Flank's was going on, I think there's another big event, and all those were like definitely getting me into the comic shop. And so I would go... And sometimes I would be visiting friends and we'd take whatever spare change we had and purchase stuff. Or sometimes um, there was a there was a comic shop by the grocery store. So on the way there, I would be like, hey, mom, dad, can I have my allowance? Because I'm about to blow it on comic books right away. Um, I don't know if an allowance is a thing in, in England. Oh, yeah. But yeah, pocket money. It's called yeah, pocket money. Yeah. And a lot of the times they would give it to me, and sometimes they'd be like, no, you're just going to spend it on comics, so uh, no allowance this week. And I'd be like, well, that's kind of shitty. Um, How but, dare you? How dare you? Yeah. But as I was buying those books, uh, they would have flyers and you know advertisements and posters for new stuff. And I was at the right age for, for when Generation X came out, and I was hooked right away. I bought the first issue that had like a, like a foil cover, and I read that thing to shreds, and I bought it. Every issue until uh, I think puberty really started to hit me, and then uh, other things sort of had me focused. Uh, but basically, uh, the Gen X was was my book for a while. So I'm I'm just so excited that we're gonna uh, jump in here and include them in the in the family of of quote unquote B tier X books. Um, and just oh, I'm, I'm I've been like looking forward to this all week. So I'm so I'm so glad we're doing this right now, Dan. <laughs> So, um, I guess first off, we should jump into the Flanks Covenant and hopefully not stay there for very long. But well, I don't know about you. Did you read the whole thing or just the, the issues they had to deal with the uh, the Gen X team? I just read the Gen X stuff because, like I said yeah. to you when you first said, oh, we're going to have to read the Flanks Covenant. I just remember, like, Forge and Eggs and other really weird stuff going on. And I was like, I don't want any of that. Um, so I'll just read. I'll read the stuff with Sabretooth in. Yeah, that was a that was a big shock because as we go through the Flanks Covenant and even outside of comics, they were promoting this X team and they were like, "Yeah, Sabretooth is going to be in this thing." And I was like, "Oh, really? Sabretooth? Okay, this could be interesting." And you know, spoilers, he is not featured in the book at all. But uh, they were they were hinting at like, "Yeah, man." Sabretooth is going to be like the Wolverine for the Generation X team. I was like, okay. Did you did you see any of that? Um, I was just reading and thinking, yeah, he's just going to be in. I generally thought like um, he might be another sort of rough and ready teacher for them. But mm-hmm. um, I'm glad he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so- to be to be fr- to be absolutely honest, right? So, like I said, I to actually get a hold of a real issue um but i'm glad i didn't start with a phalanx coven to like be introduced to some of these characters because oh boy um yeah i i don't like it um (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it's not super bad but like they're fighting like yellow bog creatures 
that assimilate people but not mutants and for some reason and they've got weird tendrils which remind me of horrible Japanese animation sometimes um, not horrible as in like style just um, hentai right. and um, I don't know it just I, I don't know it doesn't have the same sort of um, instant wow as like issue one which is a genuinely decent way to go you know what we didn't really need to set up um run of issues to set up this team <laughs> yeah uh, i mean yeah issue one is great and we'll, we'll get into that um but uh the flanks covenant uncanny and, and the x-men issue, issues basically cover uh banshee who's you know i don't <clears throat> excuse me i don't know exact history at this moment but um we can we can we know that in the issues, Cyclops and Jean have just come back from like raising Cable in the future, uh, and they're sort of dealing with that. And uh, uh, Banshee has just come back to like join the X Men, kind of. And in Uncanny, Joe Mad yeah. does all the drawings, and he so, makes so. B- B- Banshee look like he's twenty five. Like everyone looks like they're twenty five, even though Banshee's supposed to be like an older X Men character. Um, <laughs> and and. He comes in, he realizes that the X-Men aren't the X-Men, they're the Flanks, and he escapes with Emma and Sabretooth uh, and Jubilee um, from the X-Mansion. And then he sort of travels the world ar- around the world a little bit, they find Cinch, they, uh, sorry, Sink, um, and then uh, they, uh, they, they get We should this... address the fact that, we, we should address the fact that um, when we, we both did the same mistake, I think, uh, mm-hmm. when we first met Sink, as a child, I, I pronounce it as cinch, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to sink, which sink, makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> I feel if they were doing it nowadays, they would have did, done it S-Y-N-C without the H, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, they, they find him, they, they go to the ship where the uh, the other sort of ex-brats are being held, and uh, in that uh, sort of a flanks... Coven, there we've got uh, M, we've got uh, Blink, which is how I started fell in love with Blink as well because <laughs> she was introduced here. She's a very different character, um, but she was introduced here. Uh, Skin is there, um, and also Husk is there, um, and we sort of get to learn those characters. They kind of escape. The Banshee team comes in to save them, and at the end, Blink sacrifices herself to take out one of these evil, awful. Uh, flanks people and then it's like hey the team is born and that's all you really need to know about the flanks covenant we're not going in issue by issue panel by panel if you want to read it flip through it the joe mad art is still has like nostalgia for me uh the cubert artwork does not hold up at all for me i don't know about you yep i agree um the mad art is great not yeah (laughs) not the rest yeah, <laughs> I mean, Joe Mad draws every guy has like the Superman jaw and like the physique of a Olympic athlete. Um, they're, they're no one is above age twenty three, not even like Professor X. So it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I I still enjoy it, but it's definitely interesting. Um, but that's the Flanks Covenant. So whatever. Jumping into something we will cover a little bit more, I think, is going to be Uncanny three eighteen. Um, and this uh, comic 
really focuses on uh, the Gen X team sort of moving out of the mansion. Uh, the cover is really about Jubilee sort of moving on from the X-Men. And I, I kind of like this cover, even if maybe the artwork is kind of dated. I like the idea of, of Jubilee sort of in the foreground, moving away from her past, and the past is, is faded, and she's moving on to sort of become an adult. It's kind of a nice nice theme to the cover. Yeah, I really like it. I, I quite, I, to be honest, I think it's quite... I don't want you to use the word iconic, but it's quite, like, Im- embedded in my head, this mm-hmm. image of her leaving. Um, I just, I generally just think it's, much like you said, it's a really nice, like, visual metaphor for her moving forward. Right. In a way. And this is an issue where Professor X isn't an asshole, so it's kind of uh, an outlier as well. <laughs> but, um, it's very true. Yeah. This, this this book is uh, written by Scott Lobdell. Uh, we have a guest penciler, Roger Cruz. We have a guest inker, Tim Townsend. Uh, letters by Grover Iliopoulos. Uh, colors by Steve Buccioletto. And editor is Bob Harris. So um, this looks like early 90s artwork to me. Like when I think early 90s, this is what I think of. Uh, I don't know about you. Yeah, and I know that um, uh, Roger Cruz um, later in life um, really tightens up his pencils and does some really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is pretty much house style. Yes. That is Marvel X-Men at yeah. the moment. Um, his, his, his skin, um, well, at least he looks like a melted candle, like he describes himself. Um, right, I right, right. But age is really a, a bizarre factor. Like people don't seem like he looks like he's way older than 16 even yes. with his weird mutation yes yes the rest of and, our gen x team also looks much older than teens <laughs> we'll get to a a great panel of them shopping but they all look like they're 25 year old models basically yeah and i don't understand why beast is a dressed dressed like howard hughes um and b sort of speaking spanish and Japanese at the same time. That was a weird panel for me, yeah. (laughs) So, to to get into it, Skin is having sort of trepidations about joining the X-Teams. He's he's been through this flank stuff, and he's like, oh, now you want me to be a superhero and risk my life on the regular? I don't know if I'm into it. And he has a conversation with Beast uh, during during this issue in which Skin's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the airport and flee. And Beast, who has a similar sort of uh, issue to deal with in terms of his the way his, his mutation manifested. Um, and they, it's, it's, I kind of like their interactions here. It's not great, but it's, it's, it still feels like trying to get to the heart of the character. Yeah. It, it, it gets its, um, point across without being too heavy. Um, it's, 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 it's cause beasts at this point, beasts, not evil like he is nowadays. So, um, <laughs> it, it's nice to, Nice to read him being like an actual human being, and yeah, pairing pairing him up with um, Angela makes perfect sense because of their you know similar mutations. And out of all of the interactions, it's probably my favorite of this issue, aside from maybe the Jubilee one at the right. end. Right, right. It's great because Beast has sort of dealt with with this, and he's on a almost like a happy go lucky kick. Uh, Personality wise, he's like, yeah, I'm cool with with what I am. And he's really positive, and uh, 
Angelo is on the very opposite end of the spectrum. He's very depressed about everything that's happening in his life. So the, the dichotomy there is, is kind of enjoyable, even if the dialogue is kind of uh, odd some, points. <laughs> uh, but I love, I, I love the idea of Beast dressing up to go on a drive, though. I love that. I like it, too. He's, he's obviously learning from Kurt. The, yeah. <laughs> you have to be fabulous at all times. Especially if you're blue. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Dialogue. The next few pages is just a wall of Cyclops and Xavier chatting about whatever they want. I don't know. Jean just has to stand there in the back holding her breasts up with her arms. Yeah, basically, this is Cyclops talking about how they had to raise Cable in the future and they don't know if they can tell him current current day and Jean is there, and she says like two words, but basically it's it's about her looking pretty in the background while Cyclops and Professor X do the man stuff. It's weird. Like her chest is so distracting. Like generally, it's insanely big. Um, and it's sticking up. And it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's full on nineties. Yeah. But that's not about Generation X. So it's no point. I mean, that happens in the book. It's it's sort of like uh, you got to remember this is not a Gen X book. This is so a candy book. So we move on so. to our, our kids' um, sort of shopping. Mm-hmm. You still there? Yeah, Hello? it just made a weird noise for a second. Okay, yeah, we're here. So. We're good. So you're saying we move yeah. on to our, our Gen X uh, members uh, shopping at the mall. And uh, they all look like they're way older than 14, 13 years old. <laughs> like, like, Sink looks... Why is he wearing a suit? <laughs> like, he generally looks like a businessman. Like, he's he looks like a 40-year-old businessman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's, like... Um, Obviously, they have to introduce these characters, but there's a really heavy like exposition moment from Bishop where he describes each individual. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay. I think it's like, in case you didn't read the Flanks Covenant, these are who these characters are. Because, like, um, obviously, um, if you've never read Generation X before, um, I applaud you to go read it and join us on this adventure. But, like... I'm sure when we talk about Generation X issue one, we'll we'll get into like the kids' powers and abilities more and more as as we move forward. But this is like Jubilee is like this, <laughs> M is like this, literally like like they're flashcards. Yes, yes. And it's really off-putting, <laughs> especially when like Banshee and Storm are having a normal human conversation next to Pete Bishop. Like he's just sat there like a computer. <laughs> out information while yeah. they're trying to like have a coffee essentially and I kind of like the interaction between Banshee and Storm I'm like have they had a lot of interactions previously because I, I kind of like the dynamic here yeah I thought that was really nice and then there's this Bishop the emotionless robot info <laughs> machine sat next to them going by the way <laughs> it's like it's like some, it's like they're having a conversation and Banshee oh, needs to wiki it um, Bishop mm. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind Yes, I think we also have to talk about the outfits because I, I, I have a feeling that there was no coordination going on between the Gen X team and the, uh, the artist for this because not only is Sink in this crazy suit, Paige is dressed in a way that she would never dress, uh, like super sexy wise. M kind of makes sense. She's got that I'm a rich supermodel personality 
I'm going to flaunt it if I've got it. Uh, so she makes sense. But then Jupes is like, I I never, I, this might be the only time where she's like, like trying to dress sexy. It's not part of her personality really, but she's got like this crop top that's tied just under her boobs. And she's like chest fully like pushed out. It doesn't look like, it's not her at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't, this doesn't feel like Jubilee in terms of, of looks, you know what I mean? Dress wise. No, it's, it's, it's weird. It, it almost looks like her hand is keeping her, um, thigh tie. I don't even know what those like tights that uh-huh. have been cut off. I, it's, it's weird. It is yeah. weird. I understand her being more of like a punky kind of look to her, but it's not, <laughs> I don't, it's just not. I don't know what to say anymore. It's not. Yeah. But uh, we move on. She's not wearing fishnets. Yeah. It could be worse. It could be worse. And then we move on to more Angelo and Beast sort of going over how difficult it is to have like a physical mutation. And um, skin sort of loses control and his his skin really starts to like sag and like melt. Uh, So you get an idea of how tough it can be for him. Which is, which is kind of like, um, a great way of showing that it's not just sort of like, I'm blue, but still handsome. It's like, I have so much extra skin and it takes so much like effort. And I look like an actual melted monster. if, If I just let it all go. Right. Um, so it kind of puts him, it even makes him sort of more of a misfit when it comes to the people who look weird in the X right. universe. Right. To be fair. It's, it's the one character they really dive into in this issue. And it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we already mentioned it, but it's probably the best part of the book. Um, uh, but then we also get to cut over to Emma Frost preparing for, uh, to being the headmistress. And she, of course, is dressed in a white corset. Um, just like flaunting it but then it's like so emma i uh this just feels like iconic yeah. 90s emma outfit and and we get uh an interaction with her and bobby because recently as as it is explained here she has a complicated past and she came in and sort of took over bobby's body for a while and was able to utilize his powers in ways that even he was never able to before so they have a, a confrontation here yeah, it's a weird moment, but now that we know he's gay, it makes more, more some of the dialogue makes more perfect sense. Um, <laughs> and this is kind so. of leading into when we get into Age of Apocalypse, because Bobby is like full on uh, realized his potential in, in that series, so uh, sort of hinting at him doing more with his powers. Yeah. It's a it's a nice it's a nice moment, but just mainly for like story that's happened as opposed to like anything. Because I, I can't, I literally was reading it going, what? Bender, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, <laughs> skip on to that. Uh, Angelo and Beast sort of are done with our conversation. And uh, then we have this weird interaction between Jubilee and Archangel, where he, Archangel's like, hey, Jubilee, are you okay? And she's like, dude, we never talk. What? What is your problem? And I was reading the same, like, I felt the same thing as I was reading. Like, this is the interaction we're getting. Not Wolverine, it's Archangel. Okay. 
Yeah. And it's like he, she teaches him like a like a lesson of like don't don't hold your emotions in. It's such a weird moment in life. Yes. Um, I don't know why they yeah. chose these two characters to interact. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, not for the final like sort of sort of issue. Um, a final jubilee send off. No. But then uh, that that awkward moment is is cut away, and then we have a, a few pages of Cyclops and uh, Gambit sort of talking, and I kind of really love this page because Cyclops is like, "Oh, my life is so tough," and then Gambit goes over all the hard things he has to deal with, and then Cyclops is like, "Yeah, but I don't know how to use this VCR." <laughs> it's like Mister White pri- Privilege <laughs> dealing with the world. It's it's a great <laughs> little page here. Is, it is quite fun. Yeah. Um, and then Cyclo- or rather Banshee and, and Charles have a moment, and Charles is like, you're going to be fine. And uh, Banshee drives off. And then we have, which is probably the most important part of the book, is this final, uh, well, I guess it's not the final page, but the final interaction of uh, Jubes and, and Charles here, where she's like, she's she, she hides her emotions a lot, Jubes, but here she kind of lets lets things out a little bit. There's a nice heartfelt moment between her and Charles and they drive off and she's looking back sort of sadly at, uh, at Charles here. It's, it's a nice little page. It is. Can we, can I rewind to the moment where um, someone has drawn Charles the way he should always be drawn, which is the most sinister man in the world, which is the panel underneath uh, Banshee's oh, face, which is yes. Charles's face. Yes. And it's He's got like that sinister. smirk. Yeah. <laughs> like you think you're choosing your own, I'm controlling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really like the panel. I'm, I really like the panel with Jubilee and Xavier where she's, I just like the fact that she told them to shut up and sort of just let her do her thing. Yeah. Which is nice. And then Charles is watching people drive off and Angelo drives in with Beast's car because Beast just like gave Angelo a car. <laughs> Because they're super rich, they're I guess. Rich. Yeah. And uh, Angela's like, yeah, I guess I would like to save the world. And Xavier's like, well, if you hurry up, you can catch him. And that's the end of the issue. And, uh, you know, Dan, I don't know how you felt about this issue. It's it's not a necessity. No. Um, it's not it's, it's, great artwork. It's the, it's just a nice moment between Skin and, and, and Beast, but otherwise... And then the nice little moment between Jubes and Charles, but it's kind of like 22 pages of I didn't really need this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really describe it. I feel like I feel like it's all covered in like less words uh, in in the next couple of issues of Generation X. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's crazy. So if you're uh, if you're joining us, you feel free to read this issue, uh, but you probably don't have to unless you really want to see some weird Cyclops interactions or uh, just want to read all the way through Uncanny. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much. All right, then. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to jump into Generation X issue number one. Uh, The front cover is like a fold-out cover, and we've got our team on the right side and uh, this evil uh, mutant uh, M-plate on the left. Uh, so, Dan, do you want to get into the members of our team here? Yep, starting from the right, we've got Skin, we've got Chamber, who 
is easily the most eye-catching member of the team with the fact that he's just got like a giant fire fairness in his way his mouth should be. Um, we've got Jubes doing her sparkly, sparkle impression. Above her, we've got a shouty Banshee, obviously, and Emma Frost, um, who doesn't seem to have a lower body. Um, then we have... I'm literally going to have to try and correct myself internally all the time. We have Sink, not Cinch, mm-hmm. uh, with, his, with his amazing rainbow power. Um, his actual power is like he just mimics other mutants' powers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Sink's open. Oh, shit. Locate. I just realized we've got what? another connection here between this and Exiles, then. Perfect. Yes. So many more. Um, so, yeah, he can, he can he syncs up with people, and his rainbow... Um, with his rainbow aura, and he can, like, locate mutants, I think, as well. Um, he's also quite annoying, because he seems to be better at their powers than any, than they are. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of, kind of fun. Then we have M, who's flying um, flying high towards our enemy. Uh, we have Huss ripping her face off, half her face off, with some, like, energy pouring out of her. And we have Gateway right next to the sort of number one, issue number one, um, spinning his little bowler. And obviously we have the giant evil dude, and we have so much sort of colour and I never saw it in a foil um, because Georgie mentioned it's in a foil cover Mm -hmm. Um, I never saw it in that but I do think it's still a really striking image and this was the front image this was the wraparound image by the way Georgie of the graphic novel that fell apart on me okay the the British this was the the wraparound image so I was like ooh Um, it's amazing like it's I feel like with all the color and the sparkles, it's made for a foil cover because, you know, I, I, I still need to like break open my, my chest from when I was a kid and actually look at this this issue in my hands, like the foil cover issue. But uh, it, look, it, it feels like it's made for that. But but as you mentioned, it's great without a foil cover. Uh, the detail on especially end plate on the on the far left, like the creases on his hands and scratches on the tube on his mouth. Is great. The color work is bright and shiny and like exciting. It's uh, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it's a black background with like white lightning shooting uh, out behind everyone. It's just really unique, and it's not anything you would have seen on the shelves at this time because instead of featuring kids in a uniform, you would have had like boobs, like TNA all over uh, a first issue, or like someone being gutted or something, you know. But this is very much. Almost like a throwback to uh, old uh, uncanny covers. You know what I mean? Like this, just just the team yeah. being the team. Almost like uh, almost like uh, X Men number one, where our team is on the left diving at Magneto, who's on on the other side of the page. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I I can just I, much like that image we talked about from the promo. I can just remember myself just looking and being like. Like this front cover when I first first saw it, I'm just like, oh, my God, look at them! Like generally, it's just, <laughs> like sort of like closing. Because you look at the other X Men, you're like, ah, oh, they're boring. And then you've got like that guy's like face is on fire. How? Why wouldn't I read this? Like generally, and, he, and he's a good guy. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really amazingly eye catching, and obviously super detailed, much like everything that's inside the book, which is just beautiful. Um, yeah, this really so like, like spoiler alert, but this artwork really holds up. <laughs> so like, um, obviously the the I was just looking underneath the arm of um, M plate. The cover was definitely um, Bacalo with uh, Bucky. 
I don't know if he means actual Bucky, the Winter Soldier, helped him out, but um, maybe that's Butchaletto supposed to be Bucky. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm assuming it is Butchaletto. So it, we start with Fair Genesis, um, create, so Generation X, created by Scott Lobdell and Chris Bracolo, in by Mark Buckingham, led by um, Starkins and Comic Craft, coloured by Butchaletto and Electric Crayon. I want to believe that it's a sentient electric crayon that colours it, but I assume it's just a company. Wouldn't that be um, amazing? <laughs> the bitch letter just commands it to do things. No, anyway. Um, so we start at Thorn, um, and with a, with a bird, and I really like the layout of these three panels, because essentially it's one image, but cut into three to make it seem more like a comic book. Mm-hmm. And Excalibur does this sometimes, but this book really understands the idea of framing its dialogue around the art as opposed to framing the art around the dialogue. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Because <laughs> even the bird isn't cut off. Like the, 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 We have a lot of um, narration here. Lobdell's uh, favourite pastime is, is narration. Um, and just to get us in sort of like the sort of swing of things it's got this whole idea of like um nature's way of like dawn nature's way of saying hello and it's, it's talking about like nature giving mutants an extra sort of thing to overcome and we're introduced to um page guthrie cannonball's younger sister um as she's out on a run and she looks great she really does like the light shining properly like her hair's that type of blonde but it's been highlighted you know it's like highlighted white to make it look like she is actually running in in sunlight mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to and i think she looks great she's she's not overly sexualized as opposed to like um the previous issue we just read where they're all um dressed like hookers and waiting outside of shop <laughs> yeah they are like hookers with, with with sink as the pimp basically in that issue yeah pretty much i know i really like is um like she's wearing this, um, like sort of breathing. She's wearing sensible stuff to go running in, and like not not one point do I think to myself, oh, she looks like she's been over. There's there's moments, um, where like you, you draw draw these characters in a certain way, but I feel like um, Bacalo is really respectful, which is quite astonishing for 1994. Um, really respectful of of these kids and that they shouldn't be sexualized, mm-hmm. and um. <clears throat> It's not just the art though, like the running pages are great and I think she's got a really good sort of um, visual personality. As a, Like it really just comes off the page that she's like the, the girl next door look about her. Yeah, and, um, you can tell she's the girl next door. You can also tell that she's like working really hard to be the best X-Man she can. Yes. There's so really much happening in just yeah. like two pages here. Like, okay, I kind of feel like I know who Paige Guthrie is already. And I, like, like I really, um, I, was, I really enjoy the fact that um, she's trying to be better and she's trying to be an X Man. That's that's her goal, mm-hmm. and um, she actually corrects herself in her own thoughts rather than slipping into a southern accent mm-hmm. in her own mind. She corrects her to be more like well spoken, and this is how she wants to present herself to the world. She wants to be the ideal X Man, like the the true ambassador for Xavier's dream. Right, and I think that's really like sort of. In what two pages? Like you said, in two pages, you really do def- like get her and what she's about. And then we have my favorite panel, uh, which is <laughs> Lazy Jubilee, um, 
sat sat on the bench, uh, pointing at a clock, complaining that people shouldn't be up this early because only psychopaths and um, garbage men um, should be up this early. And she's wearing ridiculous monster slippers. She's got a um, normal identified trench coat, like yellow trench coat, and then she's just wearing like some pajamas, essentially. And it's just a, such a great image. She even looks like a slightly miffed that she has to be awake. Um, yeah, uh, it's not like she's uh, she's awake and she's like full makeup and dressed to the nines. It's what any normal person like waking up early would be like. What, what the hell's going on? Why do you have me up at like five a.m.? Like this is ridiculous. And and she you know, she seems more useful because miraculously she's supposed to be thirteen and a half years old according to the preview book. I don't buy that for a second. But anyway, um, she does look a lot more youthful than uh, Paige here. Yes. And um, I generally think it's just such a great image to start. And obviously as we go on, they have like a um, back and forth with each other. And um, we're introduced to what Husk can do, which is she can shed her like outer layer of her skin to reveal like a new layer underneath. Be it just for, for what she does here, which is for a shower, or like for defensive purposes, where she can turn to like different materials or such forth. But um, I think it's a really good use of her power and a really great way to introduce it to new readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's simultaneously disgusting because just thinking about the idea that in front of in front of you, someone's going to peel off a layer of their skin. <laughs> um, it's kind of like Jubilee's reaction is probably my reaction. And I do love like Jubilee just being like, "You're gonna just leave that piece of skin on the floor, <laughs> like you're not gonna like clean it up or anything." Yeah, they're both and, uh, just like staring down at it, like, uh, "Who's gonna clean up this mess now?" And yeah, and, and obviously we get the my favorite Jubilee quote, which is when I was with the X Men, which is already starting to be like annoying her teammates. Yes, um, I just think it's great, and also when she. Also, the color work when she's peeled her skin off. That sounds so wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> when she's taken her first layer off, the color work changes slightly. Mm. So before she's a little bit more like dirty, now she's like looks more pristine. And I think it's a really like even her clothes look a little bit better because she seems to peel off her clothes as well, which makes no sense in my head. But who gives a shit? Right. Um, it's just like comic stuff. Just go with it. Exactly. And. Their, their banter is amazing. Like, they instantly defines people who have had interactions in the past. Yeah, if, if Paige is the go-getter, Jubilee is definitely not the go-getter. She's the, like, laid-back Californian, like, I'm going to chill here and just enjoy being lazy kind of a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, like I love. That, I like the fact that she um, joined the school because she thought she was going to lay in more, have a lie in more. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I just thought that was a great thing. Um, and I love how... Because like, I've never noticed this before, but I love how her um, jacket is huge. Like, mm. it generally dwarfs her. Yeah. Um, and it's just a great panel. Oh, yeah. Great panel. And as they're going at it, uh, Miss, Miss Perfect uh, decides to join them. Uh, Monet flies in, like, perfect form, arms, like, spread in, like, a, a T-pose as she does, like, a... Perfect landing on one foot. She looks gorgeous as she's flying down. Like, hair is gorgeous and, like, all over and flowing. And after she lands, she's got, like, a like a stuck-up, elegant, like, look on her as her hair is, like, slicked back. And she's daintily pulling off her, her gloves. Like, she has this aura of I'm superior. And it's kind of hard to argue sometimes because she does have, like, a million powers. And 
if if anyone is going to be the supermodel of this team, it's it's going to be Monet. So it's right away. It's a whole other you know spark into this this flame that is Generation X. Um, and yeah, just she basically the, the, just like lands into my heart as well because she just has such, <laughs> she has such an impact on me. Like lands into my no, heart. I was like, I was like, she's she's like this. I know she's an, she's an absolute like sort of um, bitchy. Well, she's not really bitchy. She's sort of matter of facty. Sort of I'm better than you all. But she she kind of is because her powers are like everything that's good. Like she's basically Superman, but um a girl essentially that's the she's she just doesn't have like heat vision i think um or something like yes that. yes uh, to do everything else um yeah she's awesome and she and looks amazing she does and the the three you sort of head back into the the mansion and they see banshee waiting for them outside and i love how none of the girls are really like super deferential to banshee even though he's the headmaster, they're still sort of like snarky a little bit, as kids would be. And um, when he's like, hey, Mr. Cassidy, can you help me with my things? He's like, sure, no problem. And he looks behind him, and there are like three trucks full of <laughs> clothing. And he's like, uh-oh, what did I get into here? And just like the expression on his face is, is perfect. It's like, because like, this is this is um, comics at its finest in the sense of um, all of the elements really working together to like just define the characters and move like this is to be absolutely honest i could totally do without the supervillain. i could have just had them moving into the school as the first issue and it would mm-hmm. have been because this is good this is really good sort of introduction to every single person right like with with minimal effort as well like there's no mass amounts of exposition it's just fun banter dialogue all the way through which feels like x-men comics and that's a good thing mm. Then we cut to an airplane somewhere, and uh, we get a member of the team that we haven't seen before in any any other issues, which is Chamber. And he's drawn kind of crazily on this page as well. There's almost like a Sienkiewicz panel of, uh, like, like dripping paint as, like, the cyanic sparks are coming out of of his wrapping here. Mm. Uh, um, But it's, it's a very unique sort of introduction here. He's pouring over a letter that Charles has sent him, inviting him to, to join the school. And some little girl is looking back, can't stop staring at him. And her mom's like, darling, don't stare. It's impolite. But she's like, but mom, that guy has some kind of bionuclear psionic biokinetic field inside him. Which is something that I know all five-year-old girls know, <laughs> five-year-olds know about. It's uh, like the... The wording that comes out of this little girl's mouth is ridiculous. I almost feel like she must have a mutant power as well that made her very smart. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, she should be joining the team as well. <laughs> I really like, I think it's, I love, like, playful. Because, like, it's so serious. And then she comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of, like, changes the flow slightly of the, of, of like, this brooding character. Mm-hmm. But... Visually, he has that panel of him pulling down his um, wraps um, is is just gorgeous. And like I've mentioned before, the fact that he does have the hair of the the fun man from Cure um, makes it all all the better. Yeah, um, I, I really love the idea of Robert Smith joining an X Men team and 
<laughs> just like being all sulky. <laughs> but uh, after that, uh, we cut to someplace else, it says. And we have Sync in, which is, I guess, M did have the uniform on, but it was kind of covered up. We have the first full look at uh, one of our team members in this like red. I, I do love these uniforms so much. Uh, these red and, and gold uniforms with the, the giant like blue X belt buckle on it. And this is Sync uh, in a training exercise with Angelo. And so he's kind of hunting down uh, Angelo here in what will be their uh, danger room, quote unquote. And w- what do you think of this, this like introduction here to Sync? I really like it. I love the fact, um, which is a really interesting way. Like the layouts in this book are just great. Um, mm. But I, I love the fact that yeah, like the panels are circle, and he almost makes an X inside that circle. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he's put out, and uh, the costume's awesome. I think um, this is the only time where it feels like like we need to catch you up on previous events. Um, but it work it works well enough. It's not like um, problematic. And I do like the fact that he almost feels like a superhero straight away. Like he feels like he's already sort of embraced that kind of. Um, line of work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and i really like I, I just generally like got this whole sequence where he's having a look for um, angelo and um on the fact that he calls himself like he literally refers to himself in the third person um <laughs> <at some> ever <point, laughs> so, and um i quite like the fact that the next pay, page sort of um f- mirrors the last one with the circle on the bottom this time the, the the four panels at the top um to introduce skin to the to the audience and i just i this is where like the art this is where like nowadays um Bacalo sort of appears a little bit where with, with the use of skin's power is where it goes to town yes essentially yeah. Yeah. and um so we have angela setting setting a trap and um he grabs him with his fingers fingers um around the legs and pulls uh cinch around to try and like subdue him and we have this like really lovely panel of um there's a parrot in the background i've only just noticed um where this lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely panel of uh skin with his hands stretched out and he just it's again like all of the characters have such striking sort of imagery in the mm-hmm. first issue, like they're, mm-hmm. they're all really well defined phys- mm-hmm. physically, and um, I just, I just, I generally like all the dialogue and the fact that, like, we find we kind of get to see that Skin's not very confident with using his powers or have people interact with him because mm-hmm. uh, he's scared that he'll rip his actual skin. Right. Um, and we have. Um, Sync doing what he does best, which is create a rainbow and uh, mimic um, Skin's power, and it's just a, a mess of like tangled fingers yeah. and <laughs> body. And Angel's like, "I was staying away from you on purpose so this wouldn't happen." <laughs> and I love those just like fingers yeah, wrapped just, all over each other, like, oh. <laughs> almost like a mummy. It's great. It is a great sort of just just a great moment, and then um, obviously moving away from the, that chaos, we have our we have our 
a girl's just sort of walking into like a little room and um, Banshee introduces them to is it the Danger Grotto? What do you believe? Yeah, the Danger Grotto. Yeah, that's what she, she uh, calls it, yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that um, Paige drops into her southern accent for her like freak out. Yeah. Um, which is a really nice sort of line of work and Banshee's all super happy about how like you're not going to get hurt here and it's such a great place it's better than the danger room blah 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 and then smashing through the window comes our two boys all wrapped up in each other um these are great that, pages yeah but I, I, before we get into that I just want to point out that despite Jubilee being in her new uniform she definitely has a yellow trench coat on top of it because it's a great look it looks awesome these uniforms are great yes like they really are they feel modern and mm-hmm. um, but also feel like X uniforms for sure. And the panel of Sink and Angelo just like busting through the glass with fingers and toes and skin wrapped all over the place and and the ore all over with the sound effect as the glass is exploding is so gorgeous. I mean, these this book is unbelievable. It really is. It's like. I don't even know where like their body ends and another one begins, and mm-hmm. like pieces of glass, the color, like the color work in it is really well as well. Like mm. the the fact that they're reflecting their bodies, the, the colors of their bodies differently in each piece of glass, depending on where where the light's hitting on it. Right, it's a touch, and yeah, it's just, and the fact that it's the panel itself is is cut, um, like on an angle to make it seem like movements coming from the right hand mm. side, um. Mm-hmm. Makes even more, and the fact that um, Bacallo often breaks the panel walls. It's about. I was about to mention that. Yeah. Um, adds even more, like sort of. It's like they've broke out from one panel into the other, which is a really nice sort of touch. And as Banshee's like, "What are you guys doing? I told you guys not to start fighting yet." And Emma jumps in, and of course, Emma is busting out of her own panel. And uh, yes. she's like, I mean, you may have said that, Sean, but I never agreed to that. And we get this great dynamic between Banshee and Emma that I really enjoy. Because there's like a, a friendly, like antagonistic approach to teaching uh, that is it's just like more great team dynamics. Yeah, like, they're just, and I love the fact that they sort of argue like mum and dad. Um, yes. <laughs> where they just become blah, blah, blah. While the kids are like, let's just leave. <laughs> let's get somewhere else. <laughs> and so the kids go to leave, but uh, Jubilee kind of sees Gateway behind her. And she's like, oh, maybe I was just seeing something. And uh, they go off to breakfast. Um, and then we cut to the Logan International Airport with like this giant car just like busting like through the panel right at the viewer. <laughs> just the angle here is, is, is of a car who, you know. The car's not moving, it's not going anywhere, it's just sitting there, but it still feels so unique. And, uh, you know, even even the bumper on this car has, like, scratches on it, and it, it feels like real life, uh, it's, but, like, very exaggerated. And inside the car, yeah. of course, is M-Plate. And his little man-servant. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, once again, you talked about the, uh, the lettering and how it sort of... It never gets in the way of any of, of the story that's happening here. I, I also love how they have a whole different, like, like gross and almost like um, like vi- viral in terms of like a virus-looking font, like a creepy, oozy font for M-Plate when he talks. You're like Goosebumps books. 
it's kind of creepy because of the old like sort of um at first it's just like oh we're gonna get that kid um <laughs> basically and it just it just seems like a proper creep mm. um but it works really well because it changes the inking and everything changes as well. So it changes the pace. Like it's a really dark panel. Like it, it inverts what we've just just seen, which is a few panels that are um, framed in black, and then it goes to white, but has has the inter- interior be really dark instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I was a really nice touch, and yeah, I I love this car. The fact that it's got like broken um, headlights and such forth, like it's just dilapidated. Um, yeah. And then we randomly cut to um, Jubilee and uh, Everett or Sink um, just talking, talking about um, going to meet the new student. And we have Monet just randomly climbing a tree, um, which I thought is such a weird like moment, but kind of like hints at what possibly is the future for her. Right. Like elements of her. I love um, like, sorry, sir. I hope you don't mind, but. Some trees are just made for climbing. <laughs> yeah. And like Banshee doesn't care because she can fly. Uh, yeah. essentially is what Banshee's Banshee's about. Um and obviously she's she's M's not gonna join. Because in front of the I love it that in front of the the other class her other classmates, she's like, I wouldn't I would be seen dead with you people. But then right. in front of Banshee's like oh, I just want to familiarise myself with the um <laughs> with the place. <laughs> like, yeah. This is why I love you, and I just like this this moment. Like the comedy just works really well, where Jubilee's like throwing out all of the um, insults she can before before Banshee basically tries to kill her. Yes, feeding off <laughs> <laughs> to get her to show. And I really like like the little laugh that M does at the end as well. Mm. This panel, and it's just quite quite lovely. Um, and then all of a sudden, M sees um, Gateway just sat there and we find out that um gateways sort of like was a previous mentor to um money mm-hmm. in some way shape um and she's really happy and she thinks it's about her but that it's not about her her it's about him him being yes well <laughs> and well, um, yeah <laughs> and then we move to the airport and we have this really great these really great panels of um M- and play sort of like out of phase with reality, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's um, the way he he describes it. And he's sort of like a scratchy ghost in amongst these amazingly detailed and like charismatic people. Like generally, that guy with the cigarette is hilarious. Mm. Um, I just love the fact that everyone looks really different. Usually, crowd crowd panels can be quite bland. But, oh yeah, Barco just goes to town here on uh, on all the characters, and I love that the mom and the child both have like f- like odd freckles on their faces. <laughs> it's really nice, um, and I just like the fact that, and this is where we find a little bit more about uh, M Play that he um, sort of can see mutants, and he 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 kind of wants something juicier and tastier, so it's very heavily implied that he eats them. Um, yeah, in love, some way, we, we, we see through his vision, and everything is like black and white, except for mutants who have like a color aura, like popping out of them. It's almost like, um, like, like Predator's heat vision kind of a thing, where he, yeah. you know, the the old Predator movie where he's in the jungle and he sees Arnold Schwarzenegger's heat vision. He's like, okay, I want to eat this guy. Um, and plays very much the same thing, where everything else he doesn't need is black and white, but this mutant aura is just like gorgeous and glowing and flowing. 
it's, it's almost looks delicious. As he says, and then I've got some, like, um, then we have Banshee repping some shades that really work for him. Um, as they wait in the, uh, as him, Jubilee, and Everett wait in the airport, um, and they're just talking about, like, who's coming, basically. And the um, kids dressed as kids, like Jubilee has her, yeah. her her jacket on, but otherwise, like, she's just dressed as like a thirteen year old kid, like a t shirt and pants on, and Everett has just like a striped t-shirt and it's baggy because you know that was the style but they just look like kids here and obviously um uh but Banshee's still wearing that jumper i must now somehow obtain because <laughs> i love it and then uh, we we go back to m play as he um sees uh jono's sort of aura for the first time and it's sort of in, it just sort of eclipses everything else it just fills the room his aura he's like nothing he's ever seen. It's the most beautiful, um, sort of tastiest, most delicious thing he's ever wanted, and he wants him to embrace him and feed him. So he's off like salivating on his way to Jono, and uh, everyone else is looking at him and goes, "Oh!" And Patrick's like, "Jonathan, over here," sort of thing. And um, lo and behold, we have these really nice panels of M Plate getting closer and the hand getting closer and closer to his face, and then he says, "Yum!" And then boom, he's out in the open. Oh man, we've got another yeah. that that that's a callback to Excalibur, where they're on that uh, they're flying over the ocean and they land on that uh, ship, and all the sailors are looking at uh, Kitty like yum yummy. Yes, <laughs> yummy yummy yum. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like the seagulls from uh, Finding Nemo. Um, yeah. And so um, M Play comes into once he feeds, he's no longer camouflaged, so everyone can see him and start screaming, and. Um, I love we have one... the uh, sorry to cut in, but you know in this issue you don't get like welcome to the X Men. I hope you exp- uh, survive the experience, sort of thing. But Implant goes welcome to America. Jonathan Starsmore now die. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of echoing that a little bit, but it's so uh, with, with the font and with like the detail of the hand, like covering Jonah's mouth as he's like absorbing his power is just like so devious. It's uh, it's it's a great page here. It is, and I love that someone in the crowd says "out freaking rageous." <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's your response, mate. Like generally. Hmm. Um, and then obviously we've got Jubilee and Banshee. Ju- Jubilee is like Banshee tells her to grab the child that's just crying in front of Emplate, and then um, obviously Jubilee's like, "Why don't you start uh, weighing in on him?" And we got this really fun panel of him using the Sonic. Um, blast into his back and uh, M Plate seems to know everything about them because that's one of his powers he sees them and sees their aura sees their past their present their passion it's a lot of seeing he sees a lot of things mm. from, from one glance um, internal Wikipedia he's like Bishop oh um, god and um, um, these energies to feed himself he can redirect them kind of like Bishop um, mm-hmm, and so he channels mm-hmm. a bit of Dono uh, and Sean and blasts Banshee and then tries to blast Jubilee but Sink jumps in the way and his power sort of allows him to sync up with the energy so he doesn't comic book reasons um, yes he's, he's fine comic book like, reasons he's okay <laughs> but I love that panel of him holding his chest uh, with the beautiful like rainbow around him mm-hmm. um and then Jubilee's about to like 
sparkle all over his ass, but Badger's like, no, you'll just uh, rechannel that. And then we finally hear out loud from um, uh, Jono, who uh, breaks free, and it's apparently impossible to break free from him plate, but he does it. Um, and much like we've talked about before, when we talked about um, fonts being really good in this book, uh, Jono has the 90s uh, telepathic communication uh, web bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is, we need to get into his powers because... I don't remember what issue was explained, but when his powers manifested, they just like busted a hole through his chest uh, and he lost his lower jaw. So he can't really speak, speak. Uh, so all of his communication is really telepathic, right? So that's why he has this telepathic bubble. But it's 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 quite, you know, iconic for the, the time and it's unique amongst uh, the other members of the team. Yes, and he says Pillock as well, which... Uh... Means he's from uh, the UK, um, sure. so that that helps, I suppose. But no, um, he busts open uh, and busts free, and I really do like the fact that he talks telepathic. I thought that was really unique when I first mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. And this image of him just stood there with his unwrapped, uh, with the fire raging, is just wow. Generally, um, yeah. It's, and, and yeah. Jubilee's like whoa again. <laughs> she can't believe it. Like all this, this crazy stuff's happening at the airport, and she's just like spellbound here. And the fact that it's so bright that they're all colored, like they're um, staring at the sun. Mm-hmm. But just honestly, can we just look at this panel of Jono? Like the fire between his legs, which go off into little spirals and crackle like lightning, um, and just the color work. And I could look at that all day. It no almost looks that. like demonic or occult with like the, the spirals and the sparkles behind him it's it's a very unique way to depict him that uh, only Bakula really really can grasp and the fact that it just sort of flows off him mm-hmm. as well um, it's such an impressive no wonder no wonder he's one of my favorite visual um, characters mm-hmm. ever he's, he's yeah he makes an impact Definitely, um, and plates like impact. yeah, plates like I'm ready to feed again. Uh, but uh, unfortunately for him, the rest of Generation X shows up thanks to Gateway's portal, uh, with M taking the lead, Husk and Skin behind, and, and Emma sort of just like chilling in the background. And uh, I think Husk is like really eager to get into being X, like to do her X Manning. So she's like talking the most. She's just like so excited to be here. Um, and um, she she goes to dive in, and Banshee's like, Paige, no, and she just gets, like, scratched the hell up, like, right across the face or across the body here, and you're like, uh-oh, she, uh, if you hadn't read Flank's Covenant, you would be really worried here, uh, because there's, like, blood and tearing and, and all sorts of sort of viscera uh, flying off the, off the screen as Emplate slashes through her. But uh, luckily for Emplate, uh, <laughs> luckily for Paige, it's uh, it's not going to prove to be fatal. But I just love the uh, the evilness of this panel as uh, as Emplate is scratching her her right up here. I, and I generally love like the emotional beat of it, where they mm-hmm. where Lobdell draw, draws upon um, Thunderbird's death to sort of give weight to what's happening for Banshee. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's going to lose someone straight away on there and <laughs> the first mission and then we have these really great panels on the next page um, 
So we have like a series of eight panels where Jubilee's like, I can save her. And um, even though it's disgusting and she might throw up, um, she rips all the skin off so that she can really reveal a brand new page underneath, which I thought was a really um, great way of sort of callbacking sort of how like the previous conversation these two characters had, but then putting it in a context where, you know, um, a life or death situation and just having a nice like nod to what has just been established as like Jubilee finds it horrendous. Yes. But she'll still do it to save her life. Yeah. And then and then the double page spread of the full team, um and M plate. And he's all like, I'm gonna go basically. <laughs> I, I do like I do like his his dialogue, to be honest, where he's like, Am I that transparent? <laughs> I do feel like <laughs> he's quite a fun little playful character. Mm-hmm. And M, who, spoiler, has kind of a history with M-Plate, we'll, we'll learn more uh, about in subsequent issues, goes after him, but Emma stops her. It's like, no, girl, you don't have what it takes to take on this guy by yourself. And M is very upset. She's, uh, she's like, don't you ever enter my mind again. And uh, the dynamic between M and Emma uh, is also going to be uh, result in some fun dialogue as we, we move through these initial issues as well. Pretty much, and then also Emma has the fun, fun time of uh, pushing the herd around with her mind. That's why no one can see them at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh dear." <laughs> so they go. ahead. I just, I just, I just love. Ban- I just generally love Banshee and Emma um, together. Yeah, there's a great interactions here, and then I was also going to say I love how Jubes hits it on with Sync really well, but also with with Jonathan right away. She's like, uh, "So Sparky, Jonathan." My name is Jonathan. So, Jonathan, welcome to Generation X. Like, she's already, like, smitten with him, and not necessarily in, like, a, a romantic way, but she's like, oh, yeah, this guy. I got I got to be with this guy. <laughs> well, he's, imp- he's uh, very um, impressive um, <laughs> yeah. to look at. Yes. And then we, when we have M-Play um, coming back home to feed on the person that will... Uh, that he's had him sort of locked up for a while because he's a bit battered from the battle. But lo and behold, she's gone. And then we have this nice transition between lightning and lightning panels to um, go back to the uh, kids. Uh, <laughs> I love the fact, I love how antagonistic uh, Skin is with Jubilee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where he's smoking, which we wouldn't see these days at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, but it felt really quite... Of the like, it feels quite natural. And the fact she's like, "Oh, that's so impressive," <laughs> and he's like, "Nope, goodbye." <laughs> and uh, we're running on the uh, running up to the end of this issue here. But uh, Emma and Sean are talking about how, despite it was kind of a, a messy little first mission, uh, they, they made it out okay. And uh, Jono interrupts them. He's like, "Someone's here to see you, sir," and they they run to the front. And who is it but Gateway outside sort of like meditating with the leaves sort of blowing all around him in, in another... Like, Bakalo does this crazy thing with perspective on his characters like that almost makes them look uh, like almost distorted or... Um, you know, if you ever go to like a fair and they draw someone with like the big face and the small body, sometimes Bakalo's yeah. characters can feel that way. So Gateway's like sitting like in the forest screen like blown up above everyone else. And and Ben's just like, what is it? And Gateway actually talks, and he says, penance. 
and Banshee can't believe that he actually spoke. And he's not referring to like some cost that Banshee has to pay, but there's this girl who's all in red with like these jagged fingers all wrapped up. And uh, Penance is here. She's arrived. And end of the first issue. And this this final page here of just Penance in the foreground and Banshee and Emma and Gateway in the background with more lightning and the sound effect sort of covering everything. It's like, I don't know why visually... You know, we talk about Davis not getting his, his just due. And, you know, Bacalo is another one of those artists who just does so many unique and wonderful things that it just isn't recognized as much as he should. But uh, this this final page is just wonderful. Really, is. It's, it's beautiful. And if we could just go back one page, mm-hmm. I also love the fact that um, Jono's fire isn't just red all the time. Oh, like, yeah. It's beautiful blue, and the panel of him in shadow, just highlighted by his own own energy, is, is, is stunning. Um, but yeah, Penance has joined our, our, our little team of misfits. <laughs> um, and she looks great, basically. Mm-hmm. So that first issue was 34 pages, so an extra, I guess, 12 pages uh, more than, than a normal issue. Uh, actually, I don't know how, how many pages the normal issue was back in 1994. I guess we'll have to look at issue two, uh, page count. But, um, you know, kind of a bumper-sized issue here. What did you think overall for the first issue? I think it does um, everything it needs to do very well, and it looks amazing doing it. Mm-hmm. Um Issue one, issue one's always a really difficult beast, especially when you're introducing a whole slew of new characters um, who may not have, because people may not have read, um, like myself, may not have read the Final Spell mm-hmm. So I think um, Bacalow kind of hooks you with the visuals, and Lobdell, surprisingly, um, managed to really land everyone really well. And by the end of the issue, you're kind of like, well, who's this mystery? Mm-hmm. You know, what's this? These characters are really fun and interesting, and they look different, and it all sounds very unique. So maybe I'll I'll stick with it for a little bit. Yeah, this when when I read this issue, I was like gobsmacked right away, just like wow, what did I read? I I read this thing over and over and over again, um, but it's it's just gorgeous, and the characters are defined and introduced like succinctly. And you have an idea of who they are right away, and the team dynamic is fun and interesting. It's it's like a great first issue. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, uh, that was issue number one. Uh, now on to issue number two, which will be the final uh, issue we talk about uh, this 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 week on this this. I prefer to say this issue of the podcast, even though it's an episode. I just prefer saying this issue. But uh, we're moving on to issue number two with. Maybe Dan, you want to talk about this this front cover since it's so uh, meaningful to you. Yeah, this is the like when I think Generation X. This is the cover that always comes to my head. Um, I don't know why. Don't ask me, but I find it utterly striking. Um, basically, we have thunder and the uh, thunder and lightning in the background, and we have our team all sort of stood in the in in the background, sort of looking at Penance, who's who's just so beautifully drawn and coloured, and like the black and red, the fact that. She's similar color to the uniform as well, makes it just seem like um, almost like a statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love the way her hair's drawn. I love the fact that she's got giant talons. Um, and I just love the expression on everyone's faces. I love the fact that Banshee is still wearing those shades, 
which is a great idea. <laughs> you should always wear shades, even in his, the lighting stuff. His Sean Lennon shades, yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. It just, this is Generation X. Yeah. It's, it it feels weird, and it also feels like a horror tale. Like it feels like it, like a weird twisted tale. Mm. Like that kind of echoes to me on what the book is. When I first fell in love with it, those echoes what the book is. It it definitely changes um, um, how it is, like, n- not too long away either. Um, but to, when I think Gen X, I think this punk cover. Sure. This is the cover on the collection, like the uh, collection I have. I mean, I'm reading this on uh, Marvel Unlimited just because it's a little easier when you're podcasting. But I have the, the collection as well. This is the, the image they have on the front. Um, Hi. Yeah, it's it's great. And you mentioned this sort of starts to transition from regular X book into something a little bit more like horror adjacent or like odd. And we'll see it like the insides as well of this book uh, start to shift. Like even issue two, uh, the the angles become a little bit more trippy. Um, so it's it, it's fun fun stuff coming up here. I, I I love this cover as well. It's uh I always. Even as a kid, looked at Sink and was like, "Why is he like bending over and his his legs at like a weird angle? It looks so awkward." But uh, like, I think awkward is part of what makes Bakula wonderful. I, everyone looks a little bit off, but it, it all works well together. Yeah, it really does, and it just it's just so much fun. And like, mm-hmm. um, th- this book is the same creative team as before, yep. um, all the way through, and um, we start in the rain essentially and i love that jubilee is never one to like sit back and do nothing she's like something's going on i'm gonna i need to talk to gateway like what the, what the f is going on here and so she takes everett up onto the roof because that's where gateway is like meditating she's like we got to deal with this and everett's like what the hell are we doing she's like shut up and follow me <laughs> it's so great uh, the ink um the inking on that first page is just to die for mm-hmm. um generally it's so beautifully done and so is all of the color work as well and I love the fact that she's not got an umbrella. <laughs> Ever oh yeah, like she's, just, she's just wandering out in the rain. He's like, "No, I'm going to take an umbrella. I'm not stupid." And then we've got this amazing image of the school itself, and then them guys on the roof, and the school just looks a bit twisted, a bit sort of haunted housey. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I just, I just, I just love the fact that it, it's almost as if like the first issue we're going to. Um, it's in, it's very individual style, but we're gonna try and keep it looking sort of like a superhero book. And now we're just gonna let things slide and just make it into this really kooky sort of mm-hmm. look. And it's just it's almost each issue. Um, Bacalo kind of slips one more thing, one more crazy thing. And by issue four, I think it gets a, it's pretty much crazy. Yes. So, yes. Um, but yes, it's just I, and I love the fact that the, the um, sort of the the title is in Scrabble letters. Because um, on the previous issue, obviously, it says, like, next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, a, a Skin and Husk play Scrabble. Um, <laughs> one of it. I just like the fact that it is Scrabble, Scrabble letters for some reason. In the Gen X font as well. Mm-hmm. It's great. And I love, we get, like, a little bit of backstory uh, to Jubilee and how she first joined the X-Men. And she's got, like, kind of a beef with, with Gateway. And she wants to, like, have it out with him. So she's like screaming in in this rainstorm and he is just ignoring the hell out of her and it's just upsetting her so much to the point where she's like oh yeah are you faking it and she pulls up her 
her, her flashlight's about to like brain this guy in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> He's, she's so upset. Everett's like, uh, maybe you don't want to just like kill this old man on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. And then like um, we get this like mournful um, look on on him from like and we get this like this narration where it sounds like Gateway's done some horrible shit in his past. <laughs> yes. He's just like really sad and it's such a weird like moment. And um what I do like though is uh the book doesn't handhold you through like every every detail. Mm-hmm. So we, we instantly jump to so this is obviously um since Penance um appeared, this is a couple of hours an hour or so maybe later. We jumped like instead of us seeing Banshee cut all of his hands on mm-hmm. when he picks her up, we jump to it being sort of like um the moment after. So we don't have to like see, and the fact that he's getting his hands basically turned into gloves by Emma is <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like um, over exaggerated something you'd see in like a Saturday morning cartoon way of like wrapping his hands, but just works so well with this book. And I do love the fact that she's like, she's like, you can sc- you can like scream and shout now, that no one's around. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in pain. <laughs> and this really nice like ouch ouch panel. Um, and then we get the flirty. Emma Banshee stuff that had you know, there's a little bit of that in the Flanks Covenant, but it, it continues here. And it, you know, I'm not like a shipping kind of guy, but they really want you to feel like Emma and Banshee are destined to, to get it on here a little bit. Pretty much, but then um, Em joins her interrupts and is just being an absolute ass um, to Emma, which yes. is just I love that interaction. Where Emma's like, you can't use that computer, and and, and Emma's like, um, I have. I'd use the computer to make it more simple for you people. Yes. <laughs> She's like, I already figured it out, but I needed like an apparatus to make things easy for you guys to understand what I'm talking about. So uh, I just like did it. And, and she, she like sort of generates a holographic image of Emplay, and like bunches like, how is that? How is that already in the system? And Em's like, oh no, I programmed it from memory because I have a photographic memory as well as like my other multitude of superpowers. <laughs> but this also hints yeah. that maybe she has a little bit more history with M Plate than she's letting yeah. on. Definitely, there's definitely more there, and I do like the callback that she always wears this jumper when she's mm-hmm. got a uniform on at missions. Mm-hmm. Um, and. As always, the visuals are really nice. I like this like really weird looking computer room that still has CD ROMs. Bless it. Um, <laughs> and and then we get um, them talking, and then it sort of moves to penance in this all red room, and her eye opens because she just wants to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I adore this next sequence because it's. Um, husk and skin, and I love the fact that Skin's face keeps shifting slightly, mm-hmm. and the way it is um, obviously because of his power. And they're playing Scrabble together while um, Husk is is doing quantum physics, <laughs> studying quantum physics at the same of time. Of course, and they're just using Scrabble to insult each other constantly. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're insulting like they're having a conversation that's kind of antagonistic, and skin, uh, Skin's like, you know, you don't have to study. All the time, uh, you stop trying to be something you're not, which is kind of a callback to the first issue where she's really trying to be an X Men and leave her sort of country past in the past. And he spells out Hick, H I C K, and and she counters back with loser. 
<laughs> it's so great. And then I love it that the, they're talking the novice and John just appears outside um, the window and talks them through the window with his telepathy and it's basically calls them children. Yes. And then they're like, and then Skin's, Skin's just like, well, coming from the kid that's like overdramatic, um, standing in the rain. Um, <laughs> He's like, later for you, man. And Husk is like, yeah, much later. <laughs> It's just such a great, and I love Paige with the glasses. I think mm-hmm. it's everything really, really done well. Like every time he draws Chamber, uh, Bacala does just some ridiculous stuff. Like his hair almost melts into his fire in this panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like Jubilee just insulting people for doing games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the co- the color palette for the, her outfit as well. Like pink shirt, yellow jacket, orange pants. Just like, <laughs> why not? Yeah, <laughs> I do this. I, I think everything's like working really well, and mm-hmm. it's going on. Each each character sort of gets like their licks in to everyone else, and I like that Sean like leans over and asks what this random word is that he spells, and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. And it just like and then obviously it all gets into cut because uh, the security alarms um, go off, and so they go into the. They run down because it's obviously the medical bay where Penance is. And lo and behold, we find out that M has another superpower. She can see in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like Nightcrawler. And um, Jubes lights it up in this really nice panel. I quite like the fact that this this book kind of like uses their powers, um, have, has been using their powers in very different, not just combat ways all right, the time. Right, right, right. And I think that's a, quite a nice hallmark of this series. Um, that they're not always in combat, but they are always using their powers. Mm-hmm. I can't really. I think it happens in other X books, but I generally always really like that about this book. So um, yeah, I yeah, love so that panel because this... it's it's once again Barclow is super detailed with like all the scratches on the wall and the computer equipment and things like metal bits and pieces and wires are hanging all over the place. It like he went to town on this panel. Yeah, he really did. And then. Um, because like the color work is so good, and I love the um, the pops of uh, and pips of uh, Jubilee's power mm-hmm. fire some off, and then then we move to these really beautiful pages of Pence running in in the rain and lightning, which is just gorgeous. Like every single panel has something really unique. Like the one where it's all shadows and just crackles of lightning and water running down rocks. That's just such a beautiful image. Yeah, she's um, just out in the woods and. You know, the dialogue's not dialogue, but the the narration's talking about, you know, she was captured and she wants her freedom, so she's going to keep it no matter what. And she's running through the forest. And it's not a whole lot of dialogue, so you're able to just really enjoy Bacalo having fun in the rain here. (laughs) And he really does. He goes to town with most of the rain stuff. Like in the next page where Sean's telling the team what to do. I love the fact that he's already lost one member because Chambers just decided to saunter off on his own. On his own. Mm-hmm. And um, then Angela's like, I don't really want to go. You should probably have someone back here with communications. And Sean tries to push him, but Emma's like, telepathically tells him, we'll talk about it later. Because obviously, Skin's still scared to use his power because he might tear himself and he doesn't want to tear himself at all. Especially if you're going after this razor-sharp woman, your skin powers are probably going to be kind of problematic. Yes. And then um, because Sean doesn't think um, Penance will turn up at the river, 
that's where Jono seems to have gone to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some really nice panels. <clears throat> Apologies. There's some nice panels of him just sat in the rain. And I really do like the um, sort of that the narration here of him being a kindred spirit, and that um, she'll find his way. She'll find his way to him. Um, I thought it was quite weirdly poetic, and it kind of goes with like sort of the the sort of rainy gothic, old school feel to mm-hmm. a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of those like Wuthering Heights esque um, moments, um, and. Yeah, then we have our team split up. So we've got Banshee and Paige walking around, and they have a really... I really like their um, interactions, where Banshee's trying to get her to sort of relax and not try so hard. Mm-hmm. She's still trying to please her every turn. Yes. Um, and I really like like the way that's going, and we find out that even though Penance is razor-sharp to touch, whatever she actually cuts can be razor-sharp as well, because she cuts it in such a way that it sort of like makes it razor sharp for some comic book reason mm-hmm. um and then we see sort of Paige kind of doubt herself where like seeing banshee use his powers as a sonar and she's kind of like i'm totally out of my depth here <laughs> it's it's a great juxtaposition because she's really trying hard to be like the x-man and like kind of screwing up by you know not not relaxing as you mentioned but banshee is also like trying really hard to be the teacher um which yeah leads to him like missing obvious clues that are going to come back to haunt both of them yes pretty much <laughs> and it, then, it goes without saying but all the artwork here like all the raindrops and just the detail on the forest and frogs jumping and just everything poured into all these pages like we can only say it so many times but it's some of the most unique and in, like engrossing artwork you'll you'll ever see it really, it just, it's insane that someone could make Torchlight look so cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, a, there's an actual like thought between ev- behind every single drop of rain on yes. which way it's going, where it's right. landing. It's it's insane. Like um, then we, cause, like we move to this like sort of wham panel, which is just Monet hitting things in frustration, <laughs> essentially. But um, no, she's hitting things to help Emma go through the forest. Um, and I just love the fact that their relationship is just instantly, they do not like each other, mm-hmm. essentially. Well, it's hard to say Emma doesn't like her because Emma keeps her cards to her chest. Um, but Em certainly is uh, not a fan. And <laughs> yeah. And Em definitely doesn't like her dress sense, um, for sure. And I do like the fact that she does still save her, save her when mm-hmm. uh, Emma is about to fall off a log. She still picks her up and puts her down. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's like the character works so good. Like she, when Emma's like, you don't like me, and she's like, I don't even know you. Um, it feels natural, like what people would be like. <laughs> and, and to be fair, their two personalities are quite similar. So yeah, I think that's part of the reason why they clash so much. Yeah, it works really well as that whole sort of like mirror image. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact that everyone has raincoats and hoods, mm. but it's very fantasy. <laughs> and then, then we, we get to like... these interludes, which are probably like the worst parts of of these issues, where it's just like random in Monaco, and there's a dude like just drinking, uh, who is M's father, is just like having a cup of coffee. 
out on the porch. Some assassin's about to shoot him, but then his like assassin suit falls apart. End of interlude. And you're like, what the hell was that? Why did we need this? And there are a number of these interludes like later on as well. You're just like, come on, man. This is you're, you're like pacing wise. This is this is something I'm not not a fan of. Yeah, the interlude is a terrible idea that should never have been taken from whoever he's taken it from. Mm-hmm. Um, and they should just carried on with the story because jumping from like M and Emma to Paige and Banshee without the interlude makes just just as much sense mm-hmm. in my head. Oh, yes. Um, and this is where like this is the panel where we find that Paige and Banshee have made well Banshee's made a few errors. Um, in his search and um, Penance gets the drop on them uh, dragging uh, Paige into the dirt basically and knocking her out and Banshee tries to come to save the day but she has a drop on him and then um, it ends our issue ends with Penance all all ready to kill him with her fingers in his mouth so he can't scream at her Mm -hmm. which is quite a terrifying concept to be fair and it, I really like all of these panels. It's, it's hard not to just be like the final panel is just gorgeous as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we could just sit here and talk about every detail of every panel and every page and how the action is paced and drawn. And and it's, I mean, at this point we're just a broken record here. But uh, you know, everything is just wonderfully gorgeous. I I don't know what else to say. There's nothing else to say other than it is lovely. Mm. So that's the end of issue two. Um, issue three uh, is going to be uh, sort of a confrontation between Penance and M, but uh, we won't be covering that today. Hopefully that'll be next time. But uh, Dan, what'd you think of issue two overall? Um, I loved it, to be honest. And I loved them both. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy. To be reading them again. I mean, same. Aside from the interlude, this was a great, pick, a great issue. Um, so yeah, we're just super excited to bring this this book onto our roster of uh, of what we're covering here. Um, it's it was a joy to go over, even you know those early issues like X uh, Uncanny three eighteen or Phalanx. It was still. Nice to talk about it and reminisce, but it was really great to just go over both of these first two issues with you, Dan. I'm uh, super excited to keep talking about Gen X as we move forward and uh, continue our exploits on Excalibur and Exiles as well. So um, next time, I don't have a list of the books that we will definitely be covering, but I believe it's something like um, Excalibur 14, Exiles 13, and Gen X issue 3, something like that. Um, but this, this will be our, our, our three books we'll be covering now and if if by chance another Excalibur title or Gen X title or whatever pops up we'll be covering that as well um, is there anything else you want to add Dan? Um, no then you can um, find us uh, by Google searching Excalibur or find us the best way to find us is on Twitter at Excalibur is one and uh, we're on all the relevant listening platforms so like itunes stitcher um everywhere else you can probably hear things (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah. So if, you have, <laughs> if you have any questions about Generation X, or you, you have any fond memories about any of the books we have talked about, why don't you just uh, send us a tweet, or and we we'll be happy to talk to you about all the joy that uh, these books can bring us. For sure. Yes. Uh, to clarify, we'll be going over Excalibur 14, Exiles 13, and uh, Gen X number 3 uh, next time. Hopefully, we get another episode out this month, Dan. I'd like to do that, because this feels like a, a special like Gen X introduction episode. Yes. So yes, hopefully yes. in another week or two, we'll, we'll be able to cover our regularly scheduled programming. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. A shout out to all the, the new people listening, because... Um, I feel like we're, we're getting some new listeners uh, this week, and um, it's it's been a blast, Dan. Um, I'm so excited to keep moving forward here, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you all. All right, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Let's have that recorded. <laughs> <laughs>